Welcome to Hanks for the Memories. You've got a friend in us. This is episode 60, The Tom Hanks Clip Show. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And Mike, this has become an honored tradition. I don't, did we do this for Cage? I don't think we did it for Cage. Did we? Did we not? I don't think we did it for Cage. We could always go back and do it for Cage. Who did we do it for? I gotta look this up now. Oh boy, here we go again. I think Keanu. I did a lot more research for the clip show than I was expecting to, but I didn't look back at who we had done. So we did... Maybe we started with Zeph, because we did it with Zeph over on Zack Attack. We did Charlize. We did Cruz. You did a clip show on Third Times, but that was of your own show. Kyle did a clip show. <laughs> the Hoff Bros did a clip show. I think it might have started with the Zephies. Yeah, I think the first one was the Zephies. So Joe and I did this, but we have taken it and run with it. And we have a playlist on our YouTube channel, youtube.com. Actually, we don't have enough followers to have a custom URL, I don't think. Go just search for Hanks from the Memories Clip Show and you'll find it. But there's about 15 or so clips. So without further ado, let's dive in. Okay. There's kind of sort of a rhythm in a way to the clip show for Cruise, if anybody listened to our Tom Cruise clip show, I put him in chronological order. This is kind of, but not really. I did want to start with the Carly Rae Jepsen music video because I love her. Uh, she is one of my absolute favorite artists. This is not sarcasm. And Tom Hanks in the music video, I really like you. So on there is the music video and then a kind of an interviewee thing where they talk to Carly on the, the Today Show, Good Morning America, one of those, about how she got Tom Hanks in the video. And then they talk to Tom Hanks on a red carpet about why he was in the video. And they basically corroborate the stories. But Mike, had you seen this video before and what did you think of it? Not only had I never seen the video before, but I've never heard this song in my life. I just know Carly Rae Jepsen from that one big hit, Call Me Maybe, Mm -hmm. right? That was her. And I liked that. That song's fine. I think this song was better. I liked the song and I liked the video a lot just because it's Hank's lip syncing and it's always kind of cool. Like there's a female voice coming out of his mouth and everything. And, you know, it was really cool. I liked the video. So this is off her album, Emotion which was kind of her breakthrough, breakout, like, oh my God, she's like one of the greatest pop songwriters of all time. Chris and Nico on Now and Again before Now and Again went on hiatus so that Chris could become Dr. Chris, Dr. Chris Podcasts. They did a summer of Carly Rae Jepsen, the Emotion Minute, where they went sort of song by song, kind of, and talked about each song on this album for a while. This song is great. This album is great. Her follow-up album, Dedicated, is great. I've seen this video a couple times now. It's wonderful to see Tom Hanks lip-syncing. I, I was thinking about how we did Tom Cruise lip-sync battle on oh, yeah. the Tom Cruise clip show, and I like this better, because like that's fun to be cheeky and like just like, oh, we're breaking the internet with this, but like this is just like a genuine, plus I just you know love Carly. So Yeah, this even made me think way back to Risky Business when he was lip-syncing to old-time rock and roll. The invention of it? Question mark? Uh, yeah, that's what I'd like to know. Is that where uh, you know that all came from? Maybe the big cra- not not originated, but maybe the craze sort of took off. Sure. But, uh, I, it's cool to see this here, and I know that lip sync battles like a big became a huge thing and has its own show. I, I it's not on my radar, but like I did like this video a lot. I thought it was cool of Hanks to do it. I liked the little story of how they sort of crossed over. Yeah, it was really nice. The added videos on this list carly said that her manager scooter braun is friends with tom hanks scooter braun's also very active in the uh gun control movement i know him know about him through that kind of thing and carly just says i bribed him no just kidding my manager knows him and so tom hanks is like i was just drinking a beer and said sure i'll do it and she's like that's a little cheeky like "Mm, you know whatever but (laughs) my big question is here is in the music video tom hanks is on tinder it's like why is tom hanks on tinder what does rita wilson have to think about that Uh, well i don't think he's playing himself uh okay 
wondered about that too. Like at the beginning, it seems like it's based off of a day of his life where like he might be getting up and going into work and all that kind of stuff. But it turns into like, um, you know, a choreographed dance routine by the end of it and everything. And so, but you know, you do see him get up and get into a car and walk around the street and everything. So it's like, maybe he is playing himself, but I think it's just like a version, a single version of himself, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, it seems like Carly, like they're not necessarily in a relationship, but they're, you know, sending emojis back and forth. They're a little flirty like that. And then jokingly saying, I'm pregnant, which is not in the song, by the way. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on here. I was wondering about that line. No, because it's, you know, I got to tell you something. And then it just goes into the, what the next line is. I just, I really like you, but I'm pregnant. Just kidding. No, I'm not or whatever. Like that's all just in the music video. But yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that would, that would not, that would stick out very bad, like a sore thumb, but it's, it's cute in the music video, I guess. So Carly Rae Jepsen, I really like you. Like you should listen to uh, Emotion. It's got a very 80s aesthetic. Just the, the whole album is fantastic. Okay. Well, now, like, now that, um, I mean, this isn't a plug for Spotify, but that app has, like, oh, my God, I've found so Wait, much Wait, did you just get Spotify? No, no, I've had it for, like, a little over a year now, but I'm just saying, like, oh, my God, like, thank God for Spotify. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Our next clip is from Tom Hanks on Taxi from the episode The Road Not Taken Part 1. This is Season 4, Episode 23, which aired in April 1982, which is at the end of Season 2 of Bosom Buddies. So he's already an established TV star by this point, and he is just Podhead Hanks engrossed in a lava lamp. Yeah, so I have a little quick backstory, I guess. To go along with this particular episode. Okay, because I have never seen a single minute of Taxi. Oh. This is the first Taxi I've oh. ever seen, so I have no context oh. for anything. I know Danny oh. DeVito, and I know Char- uh, Andy Kaufman, and I know a few other actors are like related, right? Judge Reinhold, maybe? Not Judge Reinhold. Judd Hirsch? Judd Hirsch, yeah. yeah. But like, I don't know anything about anything. This is like, we're in the middle of a season four. I'm like, I don't know what's going I don't know who these people are. So please, any story, any backstory, any anything, any context you could provide would be welcome. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you mentioned, we're also, we're in a flashback like in this oh part, I, okay so... i didn't i don't know if i got that okay no you wouldn't so okay so here's <laughs> the deal like taxi was on a lot like reruns when i was a kid growing up okay. you know not just nick at night but like channel 11 and stuff and i never really paid any attention to it until after i saw back to the future and my parents were like oh you like doc brown in that christopher lloyd the actor is on the show taxi that's on all the time oh okay he plays the reverend jim he's basically like the proto kramer okay he's like this millionaire trust fund guy but he's totally just stoned out of his mind all the okay. time and and he's like yeah he's a pothead um and this episode is like when he first tries drugs and becomes like oh. the, yeah becomes like the pothead version of himself and it's like before that the joke was that he is like this super academic who is like real straight laced and everything and would never try drugs or any of that but like in order to like keep his friends and succumb to peer pressure like he tries these pop brownies and that's it it like sets him off on a whole other course I think he like drops out of school all that kind of shit so that's kind of what's going on here and that's how I knew about this episode I was like oh shit I can't believe Tom Hanks was in Taxi let alone this episode. I mean, because we did a whole episode of this podcast about his three-episode arc on Family Ties. But this, I was like, I guess there's not a lot because he's only in the one episode. This is a part one, but he's not in part two. And the clip's like four minutes long. He leaves after three minutes. I'm like, I wonder why there's like a minute left. And then he falls back into the room, which I think is a nice like button on the scene. But yeah, like I had no idea what was going on, who anybody was. Like, I was like, I guess they're in college in Taxi. Never, like that didn't make sense to me, but I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> taxi was pretty good from what I can remember. It's just a, uh... 
a bunch of people hanging out at a cab stand. It's just a bunch of taxi drivers. Okay. Like, that's literally the show. Like, everybody coming in and out of taking their fares and telling, like, what happened during the day and everything like that. I thought it was pretty good. Even when I was a little kid, I was like, this is, I like, I was like, uh, Danny DeVito's funny as hell. Like, he's just like a crazy person. And then he would end up in, like, so much stuff later on, so. Danny DeVito was on Mark Maron's podcast, I want to say either late last year or early this year. But his interview was great. They talked a lot about Taxi for obvious reasons, but it was a really great interview. And I was like, maybe I should look into this. And then, you know, I just you know, didn't. But you know what I wish we could watch are all these old shows without the laugh track. Yeah. Ricky Gervais one time said that they aired MASH in the UK without the laugh track. So he didn't laugh. He didn't know it was a comedy. They took it as sort of more of a drama. So it'd be really interesting to be able to like laugh when you wanted to instead of like on cue or something. Do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Laugh when you want to laugh. Uh, the Adams Family? Yeah. Oh my god. I've seen very little bits of Seinfeld. I want to watch Seinfeld, but like I just I know that the laugh track is it's going to throw me off and I I don't know, man. I know I'm overthinking yeah. it, but it's there. I mean, you know, it's always going to be there, I guess, from time to time. It's it's better in some shows than others. Like I could never sit and watch um, that nerd show. What is it? Big Bang Theory. Oh God, yeah. And then and then there's clips on YouTube where they take the laugh track out, and it's just like the most bizarre shit you've ever seen in your life because people will say something and then just like sit in silence for a couple seconds, and then someone else will talk and sit in silence for a couple seconds. I mean, it's like Garfield minus Garfield, but a TV. Do you know Garfield minus Garfield? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> I don't know why they just don't just call that comic John, but... Just the profound sadness of John Arbuckle. The next two clips we have are both from the same episode of Happy Days. This is an episode from season 10 called The Little Case of Revenge, which aired November 9th, 1982. So the fall after Bosom Buddy. So again, this is Hanks. People know who Hanks is. He plays Dr. Dwayne Twitchell, who apparently has 17 years of bad blood with Fonzie. Yeah, that was weird. I never really was a big Happy Days guy. Like, I knew about Fonzie and everybody, and I knew it was, like, uh, a show that took place, you know, in the past, in the 50s and stuff. Uh, but I'd never seen this. I'd heard a rumor, or maybe I'd seen part of a clip where I heard that there's a Tom Hanks beat up Fonzie on the internet going around a few years ago, but I I don't know. I totally forgot until you sent me these clips that he was even on Happy Days. This is apparently the first time that anybody has ever hit Fonzie, so it was a big deal in that regard. Like, I can't imagine anybody having bad blood with Fonzie, but... And it's weird to see Henry Winkler as the Fonz not in his classic leather jacket. Like, he looks like Henry Winkler because he's wearing a suit. It's so strange. Because <laughs> I think in the first one, when Hanks goes in and like he, and Fonzie's sitting with his friends, I think he's in a leather jacket. But then the second one where he like rips the sleeves off, when Hanks rips the sleeves off, so I was like, oh boy, like that is, it is a weird look. We don't have a clip of the actual fight though. Do you know if that's anywhere out there? No, I didn't dig super, super deep. So here's what I did. Here was the screening process. Okay, I mean, because these clips aren't, you know, the quality is like all you could get. It's like 240 like they're very low quality as it is so i searched so I tom hanks on youtube and yeah the quality I, the way it is what it is right but like i searched tom hanks on youtube and i just searched i sorted by view count and i went to every video with at least a hundred thousand views so like i went through like dozens of videos and like i, I scrolled through like a bunch of trailers and stuff but i just wanted to find things because like i could have gone further but like at a certain point like if a clip quote unquote should be seen or talked about maybe like people are going to have seen it but like i saw these two i even said to you when you were screening i'm like they might be the same thing i don't think they are based on the thumbnails but 
like, I don't know. But it does seem like one earlier in the episode than kind of later in the episode, right? So, nice blend, but I, I would have liked to see the fight. Yeah, I'd like to see the fight, but it's also kind of, like, enough. You get the point, and, like, what, is Fonzie going to lose? Do I really want to see Fonzie beat up Hanks anyway? I kind of, you know, I just... <laughs> maybe if it was an arm wrestling match, that would have been maybe more happy days in my mind than an actual, like, fist-to-cuffs thing. So I guess this is probably after Fonzie, after the show Jump the Shark, if they were in season 10. Oh, yeah. Because I don't see Ron Howard or Potsy or Ralph Mouth anywhere. These are, like, a whole new generation. Yeah, they just, they're all actors who, like, look like them, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Chachi's gone. He's off on his own show for crying out loud. Joni loves Chachi. Mm-hmm. So. I do want to say that the same way that we were impressed, I think, on Bosom Buddies, that, like, he's kind of full-formed in a way, Hanks. Like, again, here, like, making the noises, doing the energy, making the poses. Like, he's kind of just fully, again, he will grow and evolve into all sorts of different types of actors, you know, types of parts, whatever, evolve through the years. But, like, he's pretty firmly Tom Hanks in year two of his career, right? Or year three. So, like, it's impressive to see that here. Yeah, I mean, he feels like what you would get as like angry Kip or something or like an angry or like a more sort of you know upset version of his usual happy energetic performance this yep. is more of like an angry energetic performance that he wins but it's still like going for the gags and the laughs and like he's loud and uh, you know he's very uh, animated and all that kind of stuff so he's he's definitely doing what he's known for at the time and I think that's pretty smart yeah now Mike this next clip I think we might have messed up and if we ever dip back into the Hanks well he produced 21 episodes of a show called Electric City there's that many episodes yeah they were all from what I gather they're on they were Yahoo original or at least they premiered there first Yahoo Paul Shear is in all 21 episodes. It's possible we overlooked this. I don't know. This is the plot summary for the show. A view of the future of civilization presented through the lens of provocative themes such as energy consumption, freedom of information, crime, and punishment. And I was like, okay. And I don't. I honestly don't remember ever seeing this. I don't know why we didn't. Like, I, I don't know where this came from, but like, it's not new. It's from 2012. I don't know how we overlooked it. <laughs> Because, like, it wasn't, like, the best thing I've ever seen, but, like, it was cool and weird, and, like, I would see, I would watch more of this. Yeah, I gotta tell you, like, this kind of blew my mind. It yeah. also, is, I wish we could get, like, a better uh, quality of this, too, uh, somehow, but I want, I had no idea there was that much of it. I had no idea this ever existed, and I want to see all of this. We might have to come back some point. Like, this is, like, dystopian Brazil-level type of stuff. Yeah. I loved how it was sort of all like electro themed and everything with like all the names of stuff and oh my like the grid and it seems to be Hanks is some kind of detective like yeah I am in on this like I want more Electric City for sure and Hanks kills a dude like he breaks his neck and like yeah. throws him like it is just like an unrecognizable Hanks like, he's kind of the narrator kind of the lead he's like a grid operative he says living between truth and shadow so I was like what is like this is the pilot so I'm glad that we started here but I was just like how did we miss this? like this is crazy yeah this is a, like a really cool noir type cartoon stuff thing like it almost reminds me of liquid television or like you've been talking about cake recently yep. like maybe like this would 
would show as clips on that show, but not the tune Hanks that you're used to at all no. by any means. <laughs> so I think down the road at some point when we, because you know we're nearing the end of this run, but I do want to see more of this. I think all the episodes are on YouTube. I'm sure at some point I would guess there was a DVD made. I don't know. We gotta find it. We gotta look into that. But I think there's a bunch more of these on YouTube. But like even if we don't do an episode, like I want to watch more because it's like where did this come from? Like I don't. I want to know everything about it. Yeah, and it's a whole other side of Hanks, right? Like that I never thought to consider like his sort of his dark political side or something like that and you know these are themes that i equate with him like the uh the environment and global warming and energy consumption and all that kind of stuff like freedom of speech like these are values i feel like he stands for to begin with so very interesting project yeah our next clip is not really a clip that we have much to talk about it is tom hanks being awarded the medal of freedom in november 2016 basically on obama's way out of the white house they call up thomas j hanks list some of his credits they tell people to or that he has helped kids reach for the sky do you have any thoughts on this i have a few little background details about this but any other thoughts about this clip it's only like a minute long this is one of the shorter ones on the list yeah i just had two two quick thoughts i was like man that is just those two men side by side just looking at that almost i almost shed a tear with like the hope it instills as like back in that just it wasn't even that long ago nope oh man like anyway like just what those two guys stand for together is amazing but then the other thing it was it almost seemed like obama was as excited as hanks to meet hanks as hanks was excited to meet obama and get the medal like them like kind of like i don't want to act like too big a fan and it's like to see that from both of them at the same time almost i thought that was pretty funny so here is the and it, it feels like in a certain way that this is kind of like just people that Obama wants to hang out with, which is not a bad thing because he's there's a quote at the top of this list that I looked up who else got the award that year because there's like a bunch of people, right? Because like it's only like Hanks has a minute of, of stage time. Yeah, I think I saw Michael Jordan. Yes. So the president, this is a quote, the Presidential Medal of Freedom is not just our nation's highest civilian honor. It's a tribute to the idea that all of us, no matter where we come from, have the opportunity to change this country for the better from scientists, philanthropists and public servants to activists, athletes, and artists, these 21 individuals have helped push America forward, inspiring millions of people around the world along the way. So Barack Obama said that. But here's a selected list of 21 people. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Ellen DeGeneres, Robert De Niro, Bill and Melinda Gates, Michael Jordan, Lord Michaels, Robert Redford, Diana Ross and Tom Hanks. It's like, what? Wait, why? What? <laughs> that's a pretty tight list. I don't know, but that's, yeah, a lot of entertainers there. And speaking of lots of entertainers, they're in the audience for these next two clips. They are the two Academy Award acceptance speeches <laughs> from Tom Hanks, first for Philadelphia and then second for Forrest Gump. And so for Philadelphia, he beat Anthony Hopkins, Daniel Day-Lewis, Lawrence Fishburne, and Liam Neeson. And then for Forrest Gump, he beat John Travolta from Pulp Fiction, Morgan Freeman, Nigel Hawthorne, and Paul Newman. So did you recognize who gave the actress who gave him the award the first year? Because obviously the second year was Holly Hunter from our beloved Raising Arizona. Right. No, I thought it was someone and then it turned out not to be. And then I never looked it up. Uh, but did you see that movie that Nigel Hawthorne was nominated for, The Madness of King George? Have you ever seen that movie? I have movie? not seen that it's, movie. It's a fucking perfect film. Is it's, it really? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Like, I love that movie so much. Um, and when I found out that, you know, we're going a little out of order here, but when I found out that Forrest Gump, 
beat that out, I was like, man, that is extra insult to injury. Like, not only should he have not, like, I, I, I feel like anybody else that year, just give it to anybody else that year. Whereas, like, Philadelphia, I feel like that was way more of, like, a deserved and, you know, Hanks was younger and it just seemed like his moment of arrival and he actually took the time and spent it well and talked about, you know, the issues and uh, supporting you know all of all of the issues and everything and so i thought that speech was uh very eloquent and well done whereas the the forrest gump one just seemed to me where he was like i don't know if i should be up here right now he said a quote yeah on for the forrest gump one he said a quote that i was like i'm just gonna keep writing it down because it's so insane but it's basically something like i feel as though i'm standing on magic legs in a special effects shot i was like okay so forrest comes and mecca seconds okay okay that's too unbelievable to imagine far too costly to make a reality but here's my mark and that's where i'm supposed to look and believe me the power and the pleasure and the emotion of this moment is a constant the speed of light it will never be diminished i was like what does that mean like what are you talking about (laughs) it just feels like you know I'll have this written if I win, but I'm never going to win. But I'll just write something like, uh, you know, and make it sound profound and relate it to Forrest Gump because people think that movie's profound and, you know, all that kind of shit. Because it seems like both in Holly Hunter's reading of the names and the crowd's reaction, it seems like Travolta's like, people want Travolta to win. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that would have been incredible, Travolta, because this was his, that was his comeback year. Like, yeah. people were like, "What the fuck is Travolta doing back in town?" Like, what? And not only that, but like Pulp Fiction to boot. Like, it's crazy. The big takeaway that I had from these two clips and from this entire like hours worth of clips is that Hanks is very religious, or at least he was. You know, he kept saying, "You know, the streets of heaven are too crowded with angels." He's talking about like, "Thank God, bless God, may God bless." So he was talking about patriotism and about like, you know, all men are created equal. And like, I'm just like, what? Like this, it feels <laughs> like some speech. I'm not saying the speech went off the rails, but like sometimes you're like, oh, okay. That, like, that's memorable for the wrong reasons. And I'm not saying like it's that, but I'm just like, I was kind of surprised because it felt like when we saw, when we did the three Golden Globes acceptance speeches for Cruz, they were just like, you know, thanking different people, thanking his agents, thanking whatever. They were kind of like just sort of standard by the book, right? And this was just like, oh, this is going places. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he never, he never quite reaches the, you know, Joaquin Phoenix, like, you know, stop going to McDonald's level type of stuff or anything. But yeah, I I feel like the moment still overwhelms him and he starts to ramble at times as anybody would. But for the most part, I think like he does a good job of being both sort of personal and, you know, as far as like thanking the people he wants to thank, but then also being respectful to the actual like content of what he was sort of awarded for. And even in both regards, like in Philadelphia, he acknowledged, you know, pretty much that like, yes, I'm a straight man playing. He didn't say it like this, but he pretty much acknowledged like a straight man still has to play this role in Hollywood today. And I mean, even nowadays, a straight man may have to play that role, unfortunately, in Philadelphia. And then in Forrest Gump's thing, like it kind of seemed like he was trying to thank, I don't know, Americana (laughs) or something. (laughs) But like, you know what I mean? And that I also felt like he was kind of off his guard even more so. Yeah, I I think he did. He does a pretty good job of accepting speech stuff and coming off as both well composed and surprised at the same time. And I think the other thing was that he was talking about his theater teacher and one of his classmates and I'm like where is this going? He's like they were two fine gay Americans and I was like oh okay like it was I'm sure at the time I mean he had just you know played 
gay character in Philadelphia and one for that. And it seems like the Oscars were taking place in Philly. I don't know why. There's also like a weird line. He's like, I shouldn't be here. And I was like, is he, is that like because he didn't think he was worthy or because like he's, it also felt like he was maybe like a scab, like crossing the picket line. Like, I didn't know what that was about. Did not do any research on that. I, that's what I sort of thought he was getting at as far as like his, um, like his gender or not his gender, but like his orientation, like his sexual orientation as well as playing the character. And, you know, maybe he shouldn't exactly be the one to do it, but it had to be him or something. So he tried to be as respectful. But uh, regarding what he said about his teachers, I wonder if that was sort of a inspiration for the movie In and Out. Did you ever see that Kevin Klein movie who he ended up eventually getting, no. didn't he end up getting nominated for that movie? So Matt Dillon plays an actor. He goes on to win the Academy Award. And when he has his acceptance speech, he's like, I just want to thank uh, my high school teacher. And he's gay. And everybody like in town is like, what is going on? And Kevin Klein's like, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. But like, sure enough, he like comes to face like his real feelings, I guess. And he turns out to, yes, he accept the fact that he actually is gay as a gay man. Uh, and so I'm sitting here watching the Hank's acceptance speech going, that's the fucking plot. Like that kicks off the plot to in and out It's a light comedy. Um, it got a lot of acclaim though, I remember when it <laughs> Okay. I loved him in that one Keanu movie that we did, right? The the pizza one, the Canadian, the weird, where Keanu plays a hitman. That's right. He kept referring in the first one to Rita Wilson as his lover. I was like, okay. And then he thanks her again in the second one. But I was like, okay. He again ends with a God bless you. I was like, okay, I guess this is, you know, this is who Tom Hanks is. Okay. Another way that Tom Hanks is is apparently his amazing, according to the YouTube video, amazing Clint Eastwood impression, which seems okay. I mean, it's okay. My favorite part of this clip is Graham Norton because I love the Graham Norton show and I keep forgetting to fucking watch it all the time. But then then we do clip shows and he comes up and I'm like, oh yeah, his show's amazing because of like the way he, like his guests like cross, like you never get that panel in America ever. And so I just love his show. I liked, I liked his Eastwood. It's okay. It kind of proved what, or not proved, but like it gave a little more evidence to what I hear about Eastwood is that like he's very I'm gonna say casual on set like he's not one of those dictator directors where Hanks is like just go do it or whatever like that's it that's enough stop it stop it like I, I heard he doesn't yell action I heard he only does like one or two takes and those kinds of things seem to be uh corroborated and intimidating as well so yeah. I liked in this that Joseph Gordon-Levitt seems like really into it. He's like, hey, I'm sitting on a couch next to Tom Hanks. He's telling stories. Let's be into it. And like, Gemma Arterton like could not give less of a shit <laughs> that she's sitting next to Tom Hanks. Yeah, I caught that too. She's like stuck in the middle of this idiot sandwich here. Like, what are these Americans going off about? She laughs a couple times, but it's like, it feels like she's like, oh, right, I'm on a TV show. I need to laugh because like people are watching me, right? It's just, it's a weird, like, she shows no, like, again, it's all like, you know, Hollywood, like, yuckety yuck. Like, these aren't like necessarily like actually funny stories stories but like you're on tv you're there to presumably pitch something right like hanks is pitching sully and she's just not showing any emotion i was like okay okay interesting interesting tactic i mean she is british maybe it's the more reserved british side of things i don't know but you know do you know what she was there for i presume joseph gordon let was there for the walk maybe that was a good movie oh i forgot about Philippe that petite yeah, that was also a Zemeckis film, so maybe they were talking some Zemeckis backstage. I don't know. Gemma Arterton was maybe there for... Ooh, I have no idea. I've seen a movie. Yeah, it's too. not a fair question, but I was just curious. So 2014, Gemma Bovary came out, but that was way before this. I have no idea. I don't know. I really don't know. All right. Sometimes he just has, like, people on to have him on, too. They don't necessarily have to be... 
pitching anything. It just can be because they are who they are. Yeah. Then there's a Tom Hanks clip on acting where he began in the repertory theater and he was talking about faith and his instincts again. And basically the big takeaway for me here was he's just like plan and prepare. Like just basically have a plan, be ready, show up, do your thing, and just kind of, you know, don't wing stuff. Like basically you have to work to make this work. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how he dropped how he was married with a kid so early on you know pre, this is this is colin pre rita yep. pre chet trying to imagine a world before chet but um it's tough anyway uh yeah i like this i i re i sort of like remember hearing some of this stuff like about his uh repertory theater and that that whole idea is like well he wasn't supposed he was supposed to get paid with experience but they were putting on a bigger show than usual so they actually ended up paying him as well as him being able to like get experience and stuff but i also think like it's a it's remarkable just like how clear he can how well and how clearly he can sort of talk and talk about advice and the advice he has to give is just like yeah you know like you said like keep at it like you know don't doubt yourself you know it's like if you don't get this one you might get the next one you know just you know a lot of hard work and perseverance and it's kind he's kind of like doesn't just not just america's dad but like he also has like those kind of seems like those values that people used to always try and instill where it's like yeah you know just work hard and keep going and you know before you know it you'll make it and it just seemed to be uh his plan and that worked out because it seems like he kind of did that right like i guess in a lot of ways like i mean nicholas cage had the family ties that he might have gotten pushed ahead. obviously he can act but like maybe had a little bit of a bump there Charlize began as a model and kind of fell into acting like some of the other people that we've done sort of had a different entry point but it seems like he kind of like you know working in a repertory theater then starring as like an extra in a really kind of weird not extra but like a, a very minor character like in a horror movie like it feels like a couple of the people we've done i think both Cruz and hanks just kind of came from the like they just work, they, you know, proverbially by their bootstraps, right? So yeah, and Hanks to me seems out of everybody the one who sort of took the most traditional steps, where it's like he went from the stage and then he got a sitcom, so he went to TV yep. and then he got bumped up again to film and mm-hmm. started doing movies. So he like every sort of level that you hear about, uh, like he went along those lines. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, speaking, I just mentioned her name. The next clip is Charlize Theron's tribute to Tom Hanks at this year's Golden Globes, which I didn't watch, but if I had, I would have been like, that was this year because that feels forever ago. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think I remembered halfway through seeing this. I think I did see this when it aired, if I'm not mistaken. She said as a child in South Africa, she had three prized possessions, I believe, with her ballet shoes, her pet goat, and her VHS copy of Splash. It broke. She watched it so much it broke, and she uh, repaired it with tape. I was like, that's so cute. I totally forgot. Like, I, I picked this for this list because I was like, we did the Charlie's pod, the Hank's pod. And then when she was like, that thing you do, I was like, oh, right, the doy. Like, she was in one of his movies. <laughs> but, like, that's, like, that's not the reason at all why I picked this. But, you know, it, it made sense. It's funny how she kept sort of, like, threatening Rita that they needed to get a restraining order because she's, like, so thirsty for Hanks. Yeah. Like, still, to this day, she's like, I like old Hanks, too. She's like, give him, give it up. Um, and it's just, you know, Charlize is just, like, wilder than I ever sort of anticipated her to be. Not just in this clip in general, but, like, following her online and stuff like that. Like, she's really funny and, and hilarious and, uh, like, out put it, puts herself out there from time to time. So, like, it's great to see her be, like, you know, it's weird to say, but it's great to see her be herself while she's like giving this speech and stuff and not playing it too straight or anything like that like she's allowing herself to like come through and be genuine and so it just means 
seems like it means so much more to her. Yeah, and like she does the whole at the end where she says that, you know, he's made easy work of breaking our hearts and stealing our tears, which feels kind of like a word showy, but he also she also quotes League of Their Own, which I think was great. But the the big takeaway, and I th- I hope I remember this because I think it's such a wonderful moment, kind of for both of them, but specifically for him, is that when she was auditioning for That Thing You Do, and I think she was the first, if I remember right, she was like the first role he cast or something, but she had such a horrible audition he's like hey can you actually wait a minute like i need to go i need to go do something for five minutes and like stepped out of the room and like that gave her time to compose herself and just hearing her tell that story like thinking about it now like i'm just kind of getting chills like it's such a human thing to do like there's no reason why he had to do this and like he might have actually had to step out who knows but like she's saying you know he didn't have to step out like i don't know but like there's no reason for him to do that but he did gave her another shot and obviously she was good enough at it to get the part and then you know that's her second or third movie right like it's so early that's third movie because there's children of the corn three of course urban harvest then there is two days in the valley and then there's this right and then she like almost immediately becomes like a superstar right like within a year or two it's just like oh no like she's just everywhere and it's possibly because of hanks putting her like it just you know gave her the visibility but again just like such a remarkable thing that he did which was just kind of like amazing yeah i mean he's just so nice you know because like someone might have given her another shot but not not have been so polite about it right or tried to make them feel more secure about it or anything like that you know so it's just his method matches his you know kindness and his personality it's so that was a very interesting thing this next clip is one of the dumbest ones on here oh man but so I forgot last time when we did the James Corden stuff with Cruz that he stole Reggie. And this reminded me of it. And it, it was a little tough to get through this because this was Reggie's bit. Reggie got to ask a question to the guest on CBB. And I don't know. I had very mixed feelings watching this. <laughs> it's supremely weird. The question is, in 1806, did you think that people might have been a little bit different from the way they are today? And Tomics is like, yeah, Velcro. Right. BV and AV before Velcro yeah, and after Velcro. <laughs> if that's an improv answer, I'm good with the segment from from now on. That's fine. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it was weird to see Reggie and not see uh, Hot Saucerman. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but I also did like seeing Mila Kunis on the couch next to Tom Hanks and basically saying because he's he's still enough to say like James Corden does the same British format that Graham Norton does. That we just talked about a couple clips ago where they're out there together and just sort of sitting next to each other. And she just brings up a Star Trek thing. And as we're recording this, this is Star Trek Day again forever ago, about a month ago as this comes out. But yeah, it was nice to see the two them like she's playing along in a way that Gemma Arterton was not so yes all right this next (laughs) this Hmm. next scene I put on there explicitly for you it's just called Tom Hanks best ever seen and it is basically the end of Mazes and Monsters well it's not the complete end with him on a bench right having lost his mind completely but it is them talking Pardue down from the Twin Towers which is just incredible they try to talk Robbie down and he does not answer but then they say Pardue and he says that he runs around Exactly. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. <laughs> They're trying to talk Robbie down, but they have to refer to him as Pardue and then, uh, you know, remind him he is in the game. He is in the game. I mean, he is, man, he is submerged in this, uh, you know, AR He's like, alternate why, reality. Why can't I remember? <laughs> and it's like, why do I remember? <laughs> is this, do you think this is his, like, never on Tuesday? Do you think, like, I, I don't want to say it's like the not the bees because people know that without, you know, like, that's like, that's beyond just like a weird scene from a weird movie. But I feel like the never on Tuesday clip for Cage just, you know, need a ride, whatever, like the whole, like that whole mm-hmm. weirdness of Man in Red Sports Car. Like, this is probably the equivalent, right? Where it's like maybe a clip that gets passed around, but like, 
nobody even knows what it's from. I mean, I guess it's also yeah. true of like Wicker Man, but like this feels more like Never on Tuesday, I think. Maybe just because it's the 80s than not the bees. Well, I think it's got a couple things going for it in that category is that people might not even realize it's Tom Hanks. It's from forever ago, yeah. so long ago. It is a super obscure reference. So like it might not be seen or even known about by a lot of people even in the age of the internet and i think most recently like there's that netflix series about video games i was shocked in the role-playing yes. episode they actually mentioned this movie because of dungeons and dragon satanic panic type of stuff crazy i definitely think this is his man in red sports car moment for sure absolutely if you show this like this needed to be given to conan o'brien you know in the early 2000s and and every time hanks was on to be like okay we're gonna go to a clip your new movie and then they show that like the mac and me for paul rudd yeah yeah like that's what it needed to be but it just missed its window unfortunately but yeah i just saw this i was like i got like it's, it's a movie we talked about it's a movie you love but i was like i gotta put this up because you know it's how can you not when you see it on youtube you gotta watch it absolutely plus as the title says it's his best ever scene <laughs> all right this final clip is probably as long as the other clips combined this is tom hanks directed and also acted in a tales from the crypt episode season four episode one the first episode of the fourth season none but the lonely heart uh, there's no trivia about this at all on IMDb, which I thought was like, okay. And this aired June 27th, 92. So basically, you know, we were talking about how like 93 kicks off his like golden run, but like maybe this was the kickoff. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just glad we got to watch this instead of another one of those noir episodes from Showtime or whatever that just Fallen train angels? your brain. Fallen well, Angels. Well, he did one oh, of those too, dear. but we're, not, we're skipping that. That's what I'm saying. I'm glad we're doing this instead of the one he did because I just could not, I had to veto, I just could not handle another one of those episodes. Uh, even though the Cruise one was the, probably the best one. Yeah. But. So with this one, like... I was a little, I don't want to say I was less excited, because again, this is another show where I've seen none of it. This is the first ever episode of the show that I've ever seen. Okay. I figured it probably wasn't great, but it's okay. I was less excited to see this because he had directed a couple of the movies, right? Like he did that thing you do, he did Larry Crown, we're like, we kind of know his style, especially on that thing you do, because we already talked about it for Charlize. I remember we, we did that one live at your house in your basement, and we talked about like really the directorial style of that, where it's just like, we kind of got deep into Hanks as director. And so here, especially on a show that's established like a visual style and a language and like, you know, so kind of relatively early in his career, four years before that thing you do, like it's going to be interesting only to a degree. Yeah, and even that isn't a very high degree. If you ask me, like, I, I just feel like this show was always sort of on autopilot. Like, there's so many great producers that they could bring in anyone to direct. Like, you could bring in George Romero and they probably wouldn't let him do his thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though he's a master of horror and stuff. But um, that's not to say the show's bad. I mean, I, I don't think this is an especially good episode, especially for a season premiere. It's, it's relatively tame. Tales from the Crypt kind of pushed it, I guess, in the earlier seasons a little more than the latter seasons, if I recall. I watched a lot of these as a teenager. Um, I think overall it's a really good series, but this episode in particular did not strike my fancy that much. I feel like this is just the type of episode, the type of story that you've seen a bunch of places. Like, there's nothing surprising here. I was like, oh, it's the Gravedigger. Like, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, the right. Or it's the story about the, you know, the young man or woman, the gold digger. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah, that whole thing. The one, they go for the older spouse, that spouse dies off, they get their fortune, they move on to the next one. Yes. And in this one, Treat, Treat Williams has sort of done that several times, and at the end, all the women that he has wronged come back from the dead and 
take him and kill him and give him his due. There was one nice directorial thing, I think, and then I want to talk about Hanks the actor in this because it's wonderful. At the end, when he marries the second woman, like, he's about to kill the second woman that he, you know, because they even, like, flat out say, <laughs> like, it's our Ponzi scheme. I'm like, okay. But, like, also, for the record, <laughs> they do a graveyard and a funeral. They're talking about a judge. They're talking about no extradition. I was like, is this Fast Five? Like, is this, what is, like, what are they doing here? But at the end, you know, he, he supposedly poisons this other woman, and, like, very clearly, with, like, four or five minutes left in the episode, like, she's not going to be dead, right? Like, he can't get away with this. Like, it, the episode has right. to end. And so you know that she's coming back, but I feel like the way that Hanks frames it, she, like, enters frame in a really weird, like, kind of unexpected way. I was like, oh, okay, like, that's kind of a cool... Because you know she's not, like, as, like, any kind of, like, even remotely exper- experience might be the wrong word, but, like, anybody who's seen, like, any story before, not even horror, but just, like, any story knows that she is not dead. But the way that she entered frame and kind of attacked Treat Williams, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, that was kind of, like, a fresh entrance. But, like, everything else was just like, yeah, that's kind of how you have it. Like, is this for kids? Because it feels like a lot of the violence is, like, not implied, but, like, basically happening at the edge of the frame. I think that's what ended up happening with the show is that HBO originally created it more for geared towards adults, but it caught on with a younger crowd. You know, I think as horror tends to do for the most part, the more popular, like, a series gets, it gets more diluted so that it can be enjoyed by more people, more masses and stuff. And so I'm pretty sure that's what ended up going on with this show as well but I again I, I don't know exactly because I've not seen every episode but the one I'm, I just know that there are very gory episodes out there and very fucked up things and lots of crazy special uh, monster effects and like none of that is in this episode so I was kind of bummed about because like the Crypt Keeper like starts and ends with jokes which I'm sure like happens every episode that like, they're all like very corny puns yes. but like he ends with I love a ghoul but he says it like girl I love a ghoul who gives you head then there's a big beat and then he says, and then lets you keep it. And I was like, okay. Like, oh, okay. But I was like, okay, so that's a blowjob joke, but you're not going to show any violence? Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's why Hanks agreed, too, because it was one of the more tame episodes. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, can't speak to that. But it did surprise me that he even directed a Tales from the Crypt. I mean, I mentioned a couple times throughout the run of the show that I would like to have seen him in more horror in general and stuff. So at least he was in the episode, too. I like that. Yes. So we have the gravedigger is Sugar Ray Leonard, the boxer. That's the big twist. What was that? I don't know, man. <laughs> the lead, the, the main guy in this episode is Treat Williams, who I only know because my whole family, except for me, watched Everwood, I want to say. Oh, yeah. I was just explaining to someone like who doesn't know him. He's the guy who almost made it. Like He's like a Billy Zane in a way. Okay. Where, like, they were. It seems like he was tailored and groomed to be a huge star like a Baldwin, but he just never really reached that peak. And maybe because like they cast him as a bad guy when he should have been a good guy maybe or vice versa it's just like it just feels like one of these guys that that hollywood was like why isn't he working why aren't they accepting treat williams and more stuff and it's like i don't know he's just not doing it for me but you know who was doing it for me was tom hanks in this episode who's basically the proprietor of a dating by videotape by mail whatever service which you know what's crazy about that is that kip went to one of those in bosom buddies oh that's true and also we were talking about in the carly ray jepson video he's on tinder which is the modern equivalent right yeah 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 wild wild i was like i can't believe the vhs dating service that's amazing but he kind of looks like a dirtbag kind of looks like a magician just kind of has this weird (laughs) vibe to it but throughout the first 
half or two thirds of the episode, Treat Williams is getting these notes that like people are just like, oh, by the way, somebody left a note for you. And like nobody questions that. Like just everywhere he goes, people leave notes for him. But they're all like, what you're doing is a crime. Like, stop it. Don't kill another woman. Yeah. I know what you did last summer. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he thinks, he keeps thinking it's different people and he keeps being wrong. But the first person he accuses is Tom Hanks as this video proprietor because he thinks that this guy knows that he keeps marrying women and the women show up dead or whatever. But Hanks is basically just like, hey man, I'm just trying to make a living here. But he takes Tom Hanks and throws him through a TV. We teased this last week on the announcing the Woody's episode, but he kills Tom Hanks electrocutes him by throwing him into a TV. I was like, this is amazing. But again, kind of off screen. Yeah, the implied violence is strong, but I was shocked that we got a Tom Hanks death in Tales from the Crypt. I guess I should have known if he was going to die anywhere, it was going to be in Tales from the Crypt. But that and there's something because I feel like he's got a connection to television. You know, like he had all those lines about um, in Larry Crown, say something patriotic. We'll be back after these messages. Yep. And it's like in the burbs, I'm going to go do something patriotic and watch television mm-hmm. or, or whatever. I'm going to go do something productive. Yep. That's it. Yeah. And so I feel like Death by TV is like maybe one of his ideas. <laughs> like I want, you know, t- television's killing us all slowly anyway i just want to speed that up for yeah. this character i love it yeah overall like i was not thrilled by this episode but i also thought it was okay also because it's on youtube i watched it at one and a quarter speed because i was just like i don't need to take this in. like i just i get it <laughs> um which is nice that's the whole the whole beauty of youtube you can just speed things up soon to be the beauty of netflix truly right? truly but mike any other thoughts about any of the clips that we watched before we do basically another clip show ish not really but like a longer clip kind of sort of next week we'll tease it gonna be a surprise next week but mike any other thoughts about the clip show no, I think this is a nice swath of Hanks, a good overall uh, assortment of clips to see just throughout his career, or at least the beginning and end. I think you get, you know, the the two nice polls. You get, like, young Hanks and old Hanks, and they're talking about everything in between. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a good representation of Hanks and stuff, and this is a nice list that you put together. Check out the Tales from the Crypt episode, if not only to see what Hanks is up to in that wardrobe as the sleazy sort of VHS matchmaking guy. Yes. Like that's a, that's a real character. Yeah. And it's all, like I said, like it's on YouTube. Like you don't have to look for it. You just search Tales of the Crypt, Tom Hanks. Yeah. And it's season four, episode one, like it's the first thing that comes up. So it's all there. Or just go to our YouTube page at Cage Club Podcast Network, search Hanks of the Memories Clip Show, and it's all there. So under probably about an hour, maybe a little bit less. I don't know. Not a lot. I put together a list. You cut out things like I don't think we missed. And yeah, it turned out well. Yeah. And we're not going to watch that Love Boat episode. I'm sorry. I know that's the first thing you did. I don't, but... know if I, I don't think I could find it. Oh, that's another thing, too. It might not be out there. Yeah, because there was a lot of stuff early on that he did some TV stuff. We talked about a lot of TV, but, like, yeah, there's some stuff that I looked for, like, even just to watch a clip, but, like, I couldn't find some stuff, so... But anyway, for all things Hanks from the Memories, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me, and come back next week for a surprise bonus episode. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Hanks from the Memories. Another mature woman, but they do give a man something special, don't they?